with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across it. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is Give and Go from Canal Street Market on Family FM, recording inside Canal Street Studio in the heart of Chinatown. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Net. And as always, for all the latest and freshest content, lifestyle news, profiles, of course, this podcast, you can find it all at www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Follow us on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network and follow us on Twitter as well at Girls Soccer Net. We also have a YouTube channel as well. Girls Soccer Network is the handle there as well. So make sure you check us out on all social media platforms. We have a Facebook page. So all of the latest stuff, merch, you name it, we got it. So make sure you stop by ASAP. Also... As I've mentioned many a times before, we are now on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. iTunes, of course, now with Siri, you can download Give and Go. You can subscribe to Give and Go. You can play whatever episode you want of Give and Go by simply asking Siri. It's a game changer, guys. If you don't feel like opening up the podcast app and scrolling through, if you're a, vi- if you're a uh, a, if you listen to a lot of different podcasts and you are an avid uh, podcast listener, then save yourself the trouble and just throw on Give and Go. Again, just tell Siri. It's easy. Go get it done. All right, we got uh, so much to talk about on episode 15. I can't believe we are at episode 15, but again, so much to discuss. We tie a quick bow on the uh, She Believes Cup because that ended right after our last episode uh we also have you know the nwsl season is about just under a month away so we're going to take you through half of the teams kind of break down their outlook for the rest of the season and of course a lot of social media and lifestyle news this weekend a lot going on surrounding the world of women's soccer so we will definitely definitely get into all that first of course As I mentioned, the U.S. Women's National Team finished in second place at the She Believes Cup. They were able to defeat Brazil only by a score of 1-0. And considering that uh, the other two teams in the tournament, Japan and England, were able to to score multiple goals against them, it is a little disappointing that the United States offense was unable to muster up more. But we did get to see Sam Ewis finally come into the side, and what a difference it made. What a difference it made. She has that ingenuity, that creativity. The second she gets the ball at her feet, she's picking her head up and and looking to find teammates and and trying to figure out how she can open up a defense. Half of her passes clear so many different defenders. Uh, There really is a few midfielders in the world at her size uh, that bring that level of physicality while still being able 
to distribute the ball like she does. And she can get forward as well. She can really do just about everything. So really it begs the question when, you know, when Lindsey Horan isn't in there, right, should it be should it be Sam Mewis? And I think that's I well, I personally have said this before and I think it should continue to to be Mewis, Ertz and Horan. But I don't necessarily know if that's what Jill Ellis is going to do. Of course, we've talked about how she loves to tinker, and and I just can't get over still, right? And I, I will leave it at this. Uh, just playing all of these players out of position, right? We need all of the puzzle pieces to really fit together, and they're not playing together as a team right now. And that's totally fine because, again, you can make a case four years ago that it was pretty similar. They got beat by beat by France similarly, and uh, you know they kind of got it together in time for the World Cup. But to say that they're going to do it again, right? Of course, the United States is the best team talent-wise. But here's the deal: of and I've said this time and time again, if their minds aren't right, and I'm not saying they don't have the mindset for this, but if their minds aren't right and they aren't fully committed to to how they play as a team, and if they don't have that complete and utter belief, you know, then there's a possibility that they might not get this done. There is always that possibility. Okay, it it sounds crazy to me. It sounds crazy that it could happen, but it's it's almost naive to think that oh, four years ago they started this way, so now it'll be the exact same thing. No, no way. The rest of the world is starting to catch up, and we're really starting to see that. The rest of the world is catching up, and the United States just has to up their game and do even more if they really want to defend their title as champions. Of course, the team that, you know, beat them in the cup. Not actually beat them. Of course, they drew their match 2-2, but England were crowned champions after they dispatched Japan, and they clearly wanted it more. Phil Neville and his group talked about how at the last She Believes Cup... Uh, they had to watch the United States raise the trophy, and they s- used that as motivation. So hopefully the United States can do the same and use that as motivation to see England raise that cup on American soil. That makes a huge difference, I think, for motivation as you know going going forward. But you could see England, even after the game, uh, how badly they they wanted this title. They were cel- there's a video on Twitter of them celebrating the, in the locker room and, and after they, they did the the trophy raise before the trophy raise where you kind of build it up, they, they, they broke out into a United States, I believe that we will win chant, which, uh, you know, was definitely a slight jab at the United States. Um, naturally, uh, England, when you go there, you go to a match, you hear all the different songs and uh, and all the different tunes, whereas, uh, you know, they obviously have their own thoughts regarding <laughs> regarding that song. So that th- I thought that was very, very interesting for them to do that, um, full well knowing that there is a camera on them. But still, uh, England will be a team to be reckoned with. And th- when you see how deep they are as a team, uh, I-, I like them to get to a semifinal at least. But again, we'll have more World Cup stuff uh, as as we get closer and closer to the tournament. Uh, again, going back to the Americans, I still believe that both Ashlyn Harris and Adriana French are better than Nair in net. I think if we could have Nair as the third string keeper, that would probably be best. But again, 
Joel Ellis is going to go with the person that has the most experience. And, uh, you know, Ashlyn Harris proved that she's a tremendous shot stopper in that last game against Brazil. She could easily be the number one. Adriana French, again, didn't do all that great in the England match, but that was her first cap. She needs to get in there more. And I think the likelihood that she even plays in the World Cup is very, very slim because French, you know, you're not going to toss somebody in there with you know, two, three caps in games of that magnitude. Because, again, the way that the group stage works, three matches, if you get one wrong, if you get one wrong and you lose a match you're not supposed to, all of a sudden the pressure increases. All of a sudden the 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 script is, the script is flipped. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be putting yourself in, in, in more pressure-filled situation before you even get to the knockout stages. So, again, we'll see how it goes and we'll see if... Um, Jill Ellis decides to play players in their actual natural positions. Crystal Dunn is playing out of position. Obviously, I mean, she needs to be on the wing. She needs to be in an attacking position, right? And it didn't work in the one game that they tried it recently against France. But still, I don't think you need to shy away from that at all. You also have Kelly O'Hara playing at right back. And she works so hard for the team. Right, she brings that midfield level mentality to the right back position. She can go box to box. So, you know, it that necessarily hasn't been the worst fit, but she could also do so much more for this team. And now Mallory Pugh, and I and I believe I've mentioned this on the last episode, but she's an out and out winger. Why are we trying to put her in a brand new position? Uh, why is she learning a new position at this stage just so that we can get her on the field? I, I don't understand why we are not having players play to their strengths at this stage um, in order for them to be the be best version of themselves. We don't need all of these players playing multiple positions. Our talent pool is so incredibly deep. You should be able to just play everyone at their natural position. You should be able to. But... I digress. The United States women's national team uh, got a big, big friendly coming up against Australia soon. So, you know, we'll see how they do. And, and again, another big, big test for this team. And of course, they will also be wearing their brand new World Cup kits, which we will get into later on in the show. But first, a word from our first sponsor, Striker Elite. Based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, Striker Elite develops confident, creative, and elite players in soccer and for life. After instructing players seeking to play at the highest level, Coach George Nahorski quickly recognized the need for an environment that helped these players excel at a rapid pace. That's where the creation of an academy that would specialize in training soccer players was born. Focusing on player development, the curriculum at Striker Elite emphasizes technical skills, tactical awareness, mental toughness, character, leadership, and confidence. They currently have U.S. Development Academy, ECNL, ODP, and college players at Striker Elite, as well as aspiring players seeking to play professionally. Striker Elite trainers are qualified and have extensive playing and coaching experience. Whether you're a club player looking to take your game to the next level and become a college or professional player, they will help you fulfill your goals. They provide elite one-on-one -on -one training 
partner training, small group and team training, plus elite camps such as Carly Lloyd, who was there recently a couple of months ago. For more information, go to www.strikerelitesoccer.com. And again, we've been doing some great uh, stuff on social media with them, a Tuesday Touches series, which is featured on Instagram, on YouTube. So be sure to check all that out. Again, Striker Elite doing some great work out of Las Vegas, Nevada. All righty, the NWSL season is right around the corner. We have less than a month away. We have this episode and we have one more before that same weekend when the league kicks off. So we're going to take this opportunity to take a look at five teams this episode, four teams in the next episode, what their overall outlook is because, again, the team has released preseason rosters. So it's a good opportunity to see who uh, got an invite who was not drafted, who will have an opportunity to make the roster, as well as the draft picks and how the team is looking up in terms of re-signings and all that great stuff. So we start with the Chicago Red Stars, and this is a team who I have been a fan of uh, for quite some time, and really just what Rory Dames and the and the front office has been able to do in terms of building a solid nucleus and core around this team. The midfield is the engine of the team, always. And if you do not have a good midfield, you will not be successful, in my opinion. You can have defense, you can have offense, but if you don't have that midfield uh, ability to link back to front, what's the, what's the point of either, right? You need to have players that can do everything, and boy, does Chicago have that. They really, really have that. Overall, they just look like a very, very complete team. They had a great draft as well. And more importantly, right, this is a World Cup year. And, and what I'm definitely going to get into later on as, as we go through this preview, right, is that Chicago are well-equipped to deal with this World Cup coming up because they will lose a lot of their star players. And most of these teams will lose their star players for about a month, maybe more. And they need to have depth in order to, to fill and replace those spots. Because, again, there's only nine teams in the league. Every single point matters in this league. Every single point matters. It's such a tight race. It is going to be a tight race other than at the top, which I will get into shortly. But you're looking at maybe one, two, and three. Uh, I think one will be in their own tier. And again, I'll get into this later. But when you look at just the overall structure, right, uh, so many teams are going to be fighting it out between spots three and seven. It should be a tight, tight race. So when you look at Chicago, right, you get Tierna Davidson, number one overall. You still have a listen there. Probably going to lose them both to the World Cup. So what do you still have? You know, we'll see if Casey Short gets the call as well. But you still have Aaron Wright, Katie Naughton, Brooke Elby, Sarah Gordon. Uh, you're, you're pretty set, plus your draft picks, right? Like Bianca St. George's. Emily Boyd as the backup will get a tremendous opportunity to... To, you know, show what she's got. And, and she, I think, is a very, very solid keeper as well. The NWSL is filled with tremendous talent at the goalkeeper position. So Alyssa Nair, when she goes away, Emily Boyd will be able to fill in and do the job. More importantly, in the midfield, right, Julie Ertz will likely be gone. But again, their midfield is still so deep. Mo Bryan, Danielle Colaprico, Vanessa DiBernardo, Alyssa Mouts, Nikki Stanton, Michelle Vasconcelos. Ah. <sighs> That is, that's bulletproof, guys, for, you know, they have a real opportunity, I think, to 
to be the second place team this year in the NWSL should everything go well. Plus, right, they are, will obviously lose Sam Kerr. So what do they do? They go out and get Katie Johnson. Okay, the Mexican international who was recently at Sky Blue, and I think she was being underutilized at Sky Blue. Now she has an opportunity to really develop a solid partnership with Yuki Nagasato, similar to what Sam Kerr was able to do. So that signing made a ton of sense, and it's a great idea from the Red Stars to bring her in so that when Kerr goes away, you know, you have a backup plan. You have someone there to replace the production. You also have April Bakken, who was a great goal scorer in Minnesota. We'll, sh we'll see what she can do uh, up top for them. But yeah, Chicago, for me, love what they bring to the table this year. And I think it will be a really, really good year for them. Hopefully a second or third place finish. Next up, the Houston Dash. And again, I have to admit how wrong I was. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes, I was quick to jump on James Clarkson for for some of the moves he was making to kind of clean house of some of the players that were already there in Houston. I still think that it's silly to try and get rid of Sofia Huerta. I think it is silly to try and do that. That would I don't agree with that. But still, now uh, as they continue to make moves, the overall outlook for the roster is really starting to take shape, and they made another huge signing in that midfield to strengthen. Uh, it with Canadian international Sophie Schmidt, who has spent a couple years over in Frankfurt, but she's a big part of the Canadian national team. Pr you know, starts so many has start has played in so many games for the Canadian national team. So when you look at what she brings to the table, and and you so you add Nairn, you have Huerta, you have Sophie Schmidt, and you surround that with a solid core of young players. Christy Mewis is also there, right? But you have Haley Hansen, who who did really well last year. And then Veronica Latsko, who had a tremendous season uh, down under in the W League. So that midfield is looking pretty solid. You look at up top, uh, Nichelle Prince, Kaylee Ojai, Rachel Daly, uh, and, and Kaya Simon. I mean, those four are already solid. And then you add Kayla McCoy and CeCe Kaiser into the mix. I think... Uh, Houston will have a formidable attack. The only worry for me is at the back defensively. And they still have, you know, some solid pieces. This is what they focused on. To get Ali Prisak out of USC was a great, great pick for them. And we'll see how quickly she can transition into the NWSL fold. But you look at Claire Polkinghorne, longtime Australian international. She can get it done. Alyssa Chapman with Canada. Amber Brooks, Lindsay Agnew, but also the signing of Whitney Church. Uh, she will get an opportunity to earn a roster spot after she was let go by the Spirit. She's an experienced defender as well, and you'd have to think that when Polkinghorne likely goes to the World Cup and Alyssa Chapman likely goes to the World Cup, they will be ready uh, to handle it defensively. But still, we'll see. I think this could potentially be the year that Houston Dash gets to their first postseason appearance, but they need a lot to go their way. They really need to, from start to finish, put together a good season. So I would like to think that they're going to be in the mix for that third, fourth playoff spot, but I think they will certainly be in the mix for that fourth and final playoff spot. So we will see how the Houston Dash fare this season, but again, a nice core of players there for James Clarkson to work with. It really comes down to how he does in year one. And, and really what he is capable of doing as you know, as he makes that leap from development academy to first team manager in the NWSL. 
All right, we move to, again, I was, I was mentioning the tiers earlier, right? I was mentioning tiers of how this league is going to shape up, and right at the top, no one that is going to touch them is the North Carolina Courage. They are in a tier all by themselves right now when you look at the overall roster. And, you know, the Courage at the top, I would say Chicago and Portland Thorns, who I will get to in a bit, are probably in tier two, competing for second and third, and then everyone else other than Sky Blue and the Spirit are probably in tier three, fighting it out for spots, you know, three and four, and then, you know, five, six, and seven, respectively, but, you know, you cannot say enough, I've already said more about this uh, on the last episode, but Stephanie LeVay, uh, Sabrina D'Angelo, it appears, is no longer there. So Stephanie LeBay and Caitlin Rowland as your two goalkeepers. So incredibly solid. So incredibly solid. Good luck trying to score on them. They they made more key signings. They brought in Merritt Mathias again, who who not only defended with intensity from you know the wingback position, but also scored some really incredible goals last year. Some really world-class goals from long distance. Of course, Jaylene Hinkle, who people are not necessarily a fan of for her, you know, turning down the U.S. Women's National Team uh, call-up because of the Pride jerseys. But still, she's still a solid player there. Abby Dahlkemper and Abby Ursag, Abby Squared, uh, as that center-back pairing is just too, it's too rock-solid. Haley Harbison, they're clearly going to convert. Uh and, of, you know, someone who also hails from Pepperdine, similar to Lynn Williams, so she should get along just fine. They have 18 midfielders currently on the roster. They will obviously not keep everyone, but they're giving a lot of different people an opportunity to try and make this roster. Of course, you have Dabinia, Samuels, but the addition of Heather O'Reilly, uh, cannot say enough about that addition and what it's going to do for this midfield. If they can incorporate her into what they're doing and and I think it should be a seamless transition because she did have the end of last year to really get the sense of how things work there and she is more than capable she's proven it as an analyst how smart she is and how she how she sees the game out on the pitch so she will be a perfect fit there and uh, it's going to be tough for anyone to try and take out the courage of course, you still have McCall Zerboni as well, Crystal Dunn, J-Mac, Lynn Williams. Again, a World Cup year, so you're likely going to lose Dunn. I don't think Lynn Williams is going to get the call. I don't think J-Mac will end up getting the call. So to, to still have this front four of Kristen Hamilton, J-Mac, Lynn Williams, and Leah Pruitt, we'll see how she does as a, as a you know making that transition from college to pro. But that four looks tremendously formidable as well, so... Good luck to the rest of the NWSL because the courage, I believe, will will repeat, and I don't see anyone coming close to them. Maybe Chicago, maybe Portland because of how deep those teams are, and on the right day, they can totally beat it. We saw it in the postseason last year. We've seen the last couple years. You can still play the courage close, but when it gets into that nitty-gritty, pressure-filled situation, the courage do not fold. They do not fold. There is no finish line. That overall mindset and mentality is what is going to separate them from the rest of the pack. And Paul Riley and his staff have done a tremendous job in instilling that mindset each and every day. It makes such a huge difference each and every day. So, again, the courage. Don't expect them to go anywhere from the top. 
Okay, it is that time. Uh, I have been ripping the Orlando Pride on the last couple episodes, and I'm sorry if you're a pr- if, I'm sorry if you're a fan of the team, but that will continue right about now. Uh, again, looking at the roster, they have plenty of talent. All right, but they are so top heavy. Their entire roster, right, is pretty much just World Cup players. The majority of their roster. When when the World Cup comes around, I have no idea who is going to play. And like I said earlier, every single point matters. And, and the Pride better hope that they get off to a good enough start early on in the season and pick up enough points. Because who knows how these players will all play coming back from a World Cup. Will they still have their legs under them? Will they still be able to, will they take some time off and then come back? You never know once that World Cup starts, right? That whole month plus maybe a couple extra games, you don't know how it's going to play out. Players can get hurt. You know, Alex Morgan, Chioma Obogagu will may get the call to England. Camila and Marta will likely be gone for Brazil. Uh, Emily Van Egmond will likely be going for Australia. Same with Alana Kennedy. Shalina Zadorsky. Okay, they will be fine at goalkeeper when Ashlyn Harris goes because they have Haley Kottmeyer. But to, to rely on an Ali Krieger who is not getting any younger. Yes, Carson Pickett can play. Tony Presley can is capable, but we saw it last year. Orlando struggled defensively in key, key situations when they needed... To get results, they simply were unable to do it. So things have to change defensively. We'll see what Mark Skinner's philosophy is going into this season. Will he try to be more expansive? Will he try to shore things up at the back? It will be a very interesting season for Sky Blue. But again, this midfield, uh, a lot is going to fall on the shoulders of Danny Weatherholt and Kristen Edmonds. Because everyone else is either an invitee or someone that they drafted and not particularly you know well-known names so we'll see what Aaron Greening and Marissa Vigiano are capable of Uh, a lot will be asked of them during that month because again this is going to be this is going to be very very interesting to see how they handle this Uh, again stars aplenty in Orlando but star power only gets you so far if you don't play as a team you will not get the results you will not get the results. If Orlando seem more than content to rely on Alex Morgan and Marta, but again, the NWSL is so defensive-minded and so defensively capable, they are more than able to shut those two down, as we saw last season. Alex Morgan needs service. She needs the service in order for her to do what she does best, and that is score goals. She is capable of being a complete striker and, and distributing as well, But when you isolate her up top on an island and you don't give her a strike partner to work off of, it's going to be hard for her because teams are going to double her. Teams are going to make sure that she gets as little on the ball as possible. And And some players, you know, regardless of the sport, you need to get in the rhythm. You need to get warm. You need to get touches on the ball in order to get into the game. And sometimes Alex Morgan... As great of a superstar as she is, she sometimes does isn't able to get into the game, and that's because of the defenses that they're going up against, right? And if you don't have a, a midfield, as I mentioned earlier, if you don't have a midfield that can get her the ball, literally more than half of Alex Morgan's goals last season were literally just assisted by Marta making ridiculous passes and going on crazy runs in order to get her the ball. 
or the two of them combining for a moment of sheer brilliance. You can't rely on that. That's not going to happen every single game. That's what it appears that Orlando is going to, to you know, rely on. We'll see what Rachel Hill can do. They were they obviously are expecting big things from her. They drafted her. She had a great year in the W League as well, working with Sam Kerr and Alyssa Mounts. So we'll see if she can take the next step up and really produce. They will rely on her heavily. Sydney LaRue, uh, you know, that was really cool to see her, you know, putting in that effort five and a half months pregnant to be out there training with the team obviously I, d I don't think it's it's realistic for her to be to be playing but for her to do that and, and stand with her team that is really great but so many question marks for this Orlando Pride team and I know I've been saying it over and over again but it will be very very interesting to see how this team comes out to start the year they better come out and get some results early on they have to it is a must so we will see how they go to start the season the last team of this nwsl preview for this week will be the portland thorns and you know year in and year out they're just one of the more consistent teams as a franchise they know what they're doing they simply know what they're doing they're always going to be in the mix because of this culture that they have created the fan base that they have the support the expectation is that they are going to do you know really well every single year and again they should be near the top this year again world cup they do have some some really good players in their roster but what's great is they have other players that are very very talented so not entirely worried about the thorns when when that time comes you're looking at Britt Eckerstrom who has been a solid solid backup keeper for them when Adriana French gets called to be the third uh, goalkeeper for the United States. Uh, Ellie Carpenter will be gone. You know, Emily Sonnet will likely be gone, but the rest of that defense stays intact. Catherine Reynolds is a little bit older, Emily Menges, but they still have, you know, Megan Klingenberg, Elizabeth Ball, they have some solid, solid defenders still. I think they'll be just fine in maintaining that back line. Celeste Bure, uh, who was a tremendous player for them last year, kind of filling in that role for Amandine Henri. Uh, if she's able to do what she did last year, they'll be just fine because they will lose Lindsey Horan. They will lose Tobin Heath. But this is why they have a player like Midge Purse, why they like Angela Salem so much. We'll see what Sandra Yu can do. They also have Anna Chernogorchevich because Switzerland failed to qualify for the World Cup. She brings an extra piece of creativity and craftiness uh, with her skill, a different look for Portland. Uh, so with, with Mallory, Mallory Weber and Tyler Lucy, we'll see what their draft picks can do because they will likely lose Caitlin Ford, Haley Rasso. Maybe they keep Rasso because she is still working her way back and, and we'll see what direction Australia chooses to go in if they decide to, to bring Rasso with them. But if Rasso stays, that would be huge for the Thorns. Absolutely huge to have that level of a player uh, in the NWSL uh, for the entire season. And, of course, Christine Sinclair will be gone leading the Canadian national team as their captain. So Portland with a lot of good players in place. I expect them to be up there with Chicago in the mix for two and three. So we'll see how Portland does, but just the way that they are run, the way that they handle themselves as an organization, they will be just fine. Now it's time for a word for our second sponsor, Topical Gear. 
Topical Gear was formed in 2011 by a team of professionals from the orthopedic sports medicine field. Collectively, this team has over two centuries of knowledge in athletic training, biomechanics, product development, manufacturing, orthopedic sports medicine, arthroscopy, and the pioneering of products in the sports medicine market. Their team is constantly on the field or in the gym, getting feedback directly from parents, players, coaches, and athletic trainers as part of their continuing effort to develop products that help increase female athletes' performance while keeping them healthy. All of their products are backed by professional published research and tested by real athletes at both the high school and college level. All of you soccer players, parents, and other athletes out there, go to www.compressioninmotion.com and check out the T25 knee along with other shoulder and ankle products. Again, cannot say enough about what Topical Gear is doing. Uh, Really just... It's a no-brainer to, to go out and get their products. If you have an opportunity to make sure that that you can take care of yourself, your body is your temple. It is uh, the most important thing. If you're not healthy, how can you play and do what you do best? So uh, it makes a ton of sense. Again, go to www.compressioninmotion.com. All right, it is time for the social media and lifestyle portion of the show, and we got a lot to talk about in this portion. Uh, a lot has happened in the women in the women's soccer realm and we start with a huge huge step the gender discrimination lawsuit filed by the u.s women's national team against the u.s soccer federation uh this has been a long time coming they have pushed and pushed and pushed for equal equality particularly with the pay gap and uh this is a pretty detailed lawsuit with all of the players all of the star players really voicing their opinions and really putting themselves out there unafraid to to do so and we applaud them for it because it isn't just for the if if it can happen with the u.s women's national team the best team in the world hopefully there will be a trickle down effect and it will impact some of the other countries as well as they start to follow suit but there were here i will read out to you a couple of actual complaints that are contained within the lawsuit the lawsuit claims that from march 2013 Through December 31st, 2016, when the previous collective bargaining agreement expired, players on the women's team could make a maximum salary of $72,000 plus bonuses for winning non-tournament games, as well as World Cup appearances and victories and for Olympic placement. Okay, not that much compared to, you know, compared to the guys. A comparison of the women's national team and men's national team pay shows that if each team played 20 friendlies in a year and each team won all 20 friendlies, female women's national team players would earn a maximum, a maximum of $99,000 or around approximately $5,000 per game, while similarly situated male men's national team players would earn an average of $263,000 or 13 grand per game against the various levels of competition they would face. The lawsuit further cites the women's three World Cup titles, four Olympic gold medals, and the 2015 World Cup title game being the most watched soccer match in American television history. The U.S. women's national team has been ranked number one in the world for 10 of the past 11 years. Yeah, that's pretty uh, That's pretty detailed, uh, documenting just the overall difference between the two and of course 
it makes even more sense because the men failed to qualify in, in what was a catastrophic turn of events, the fact that they were unable to do so. So it just it, it, it seems like the perfect time for this to happen. And for those posing the argument that, oh, the United States, you know, gets more viewership, they are more popular, therefore uh, they should get more money. Listen to this point. The lawsuit also references the revenue sharing model the U.S. Women's National Team Players Association pitched as part of a new collective bargaining agreement which took effect on January 1, 2017 and runs through 2021. At the time, the pitch was meant to challenge U.S. soccer's assessment that market realities do not justify equal pay. Right? That, that's what I'm talking about, where the market is impacting, oh, the market is calling for more money to be paid to the men's game because it is more watched rather than rather than what what's going on on the pitch right friday's filing states under this model player compensation would increase in years in which the u.s soccer federation derived more revenue from women's national team activities and player compensation would be less if revenue from those activities decreased this showed the players willingness to share in the risk and reward of the economic success of the u.s women's national team so Right, they're basically just saying how it's bogus that the men just get paid more for literally just because they're more popular because they they draw uh because they draw more. Which simply, I I I'm sure if you looked at the numbers right now, there's no way like with how the she believes cup just was as opposed to what the men are doing uh in their friendlies as as they you know, are kind of in a rebuild mode to kind of find their new core of players. You know, this is huge. This is so huge for, for them to be able to push this forward. And, of course, uh, numerous and uh, numerous U.S. Women's National Team stars have put their names on this lawsuit and have made outward comments towards how they feel. Uh, you know, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press all had tremendous things to say. But for me, what Becky Sauerbrunn said hits home the most and what she says uh is is i think the most relevant so i'm just going to read out what she said on the matter the bottom line is simple it is wrong for us to be paid and valued less for our work because of our gender every member of this team works incredibly hard to achieve the success that we have for the u.s soccer federation we are standing up now so that our efforts and those of the future u.s women's national team players will be fairly recognized even Serena Williams has commented on the issue, saying how ludicrous the pay gap is. And if you've listened to our intro going into the show, right, we have a brief clip of Ronan Farrow talking about how the pay gap is 11 times greater between the men and the women. Uh, simply, that is far too much. Far, far too much. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful that this lawsuit goes somewhere. Of course, it will be a lot of time. These things take time. But it is a tremendous, tremendous first step that they got this lawsuit through. And uh, we wish them the best of luck as they continue this fight. It, it, it is always a tough fight when you are looking for equality um, and you're trying to create change. Change does not happen overnight. It is a steady, steady process. And it must be uh, a commitment that you make one day at a time. And, and these women have been committed to that. And hopefully, you know, there is so much at stake with this World Cup, all eyes will be on them. And so I think hopefully, you know, that pressure doesn't loom over their head to the feeling of having to prove themselves. They don't have to prove themselves for anyone, right? They absolutely don't. 
but hopefully that that issue of of making sure that everything that they do in order in order for the lawsuit to uh to have its biggest impact would be because of their results on the pitch if they can just separate those two things and focus on winning on the pitch uh things will work out for them as we transition into you know you had the u.s women's national team players association but now what's huge for the league is the nwsl players association they have a new executive director it is yael averbuke um and she unfortunately is out of the game right now due to an illness and she's putting her playing days on hold for right now but the good news is she can continue her work off the field and and it's her job to kind of push things forward you know her goal is to is to add value to the player experiences and giving them a voice and once we can get some kind of association and and union going that's how we can further build communications between the owners of the league and the players of the league and and we can kind of make things more official and more legit so that things like what's happening what happened with sky blue don't happen ever again and i think that's it's so critical she's the perfect person uh to to be moving this forward because she has been a player herself so she knows what it's like to go through what all the players are going through right now and she can provide the most amount of help to all of them and give them a real voice so we are very very hopeful that what she is doing uh will help again grow the league and and continue to take it in a direction that um we can all be happy with and that we can maintain the best possible product out on the pitch now we move to South America. Uh, another huge, huge story coming out of Argentina. Uh, you know, we've previously talked about in, in prior episodes how the Argentinian national team has been protesting because they've still had amateur status this entire time, right? They've been playing for the love of their country. They haven't been getting paid. They have not been getting paid for playing, which sounds, it doesn't even sound real to me. Because when you think about Argentina as a footballing nation, they are one of the the powers. They are one of the powers. The men's team has won multiple World Cups. They have Leo Messi right now. And still, it took them this long, this long for Argentinian soccer to to give them professional status. That simply should not happen. It sh- it, it's a shame that it has taken this long, but they will finally be, prov- you know, provided that status so that they can get paid to play they got little little or no money prior to that they've protested it finally worked in their favor so we are very happy for them as a nation again when your men, when your men's team is is that popular there's absolutely no reason why the women shouldn't be doing the same there's literally no reason there is no excuse there is nothing that you can say that can justify the argentinian women not being able to get paid for what they do so it is a huge, huge step in the right direction, and we hope that other nations will be able to follow suit now that this has gone through, because there are plenty of other countries, especially in that South American region, Central American region, that are seeking this level of legitimacy. So we'll see what happens moving forward, but again, a huge, huge step, and there's a there's a good opportunity. Uh, we will get to speak with someone uh, from this national team to kind of get a better sense of what is going on with this current situation so we can provide more information as to how uh, what the impact is on this on the region of just South America as a whole when it comes when it comes to soccer okay time to switch it up a little bit we know we'll end 
the show on a, on a less serious note. Uh, we've got the FIFA Women's World Cup kits. Nike just dropped them. Oh, my God. We're going to get to see them wearing them all you know, towards the lead up to the World Cup. And there are some fire, fire kits, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. The U.S. Women's National Team uh, is paying a bit of a homage to the uh, – 1999 team so 20 years later right it, everything kind of comes full circle they have a couple different um features like the sleeves that kind of uh pay tribute to that team and they're gonna look great on the pitch they have these nice red kits with with an american flag kind of printed and and then they also even have kind of like this gray print on the back of their white jerseys that is formed from all 50 states that is incredibly unique and special and these jerseys are going to be awesome. Definitely going to want to get one as soon as they're available. Also, some other great countries coming out with some great kits. The the Matildas. Oh, my goodness. I'm a 90s guy. Okay. You know, born in the 90s. I am everything about the nostalgia. Everything about the 90s I love. And that is exactly what these Matilda kits are. Exactly. This pastel kind of like paintbrush themed 90s kits with the colors oh my god they are going to look so good so good and i love that they decided to take the creative freedom to go with the throwback vibe for the home kits for the matildas the fact that they were willing to take this step is so tremendous not just for not just for the sports game but for the for the fashion game in terms of in terms of sports jerseys that women are getting their own jerseys like this in order to to increase awareness but also make sure that they're looking the best because they deserve it they deserve to look the best and have jerseys that they want to play in too just like the men so this is uh again those matilda kits if you haven't seen them already you definitely have to check them out one other kit to definitely keep your eye on the china away kits Ooh, they've been putting out some great stuff lately nike for china oh my god they've had these you know they've made great use of the color gray and they've they've implemented this nice neon to go with it but for this away kit you've got kind of like a neon orange to go with the off gray and my god it looks so fresh you've kind of got like a phoenix dragon type vibe on the front of the kit as well and so china really killing it with with their overall fashion so those are some kits to keep your eye on and of course we've you know we've got more content about on the site and we even took a poll from some of you guys as to which one is your favorite because they only released 14 of 24 some of them you know not as flashy as others of course france always does it right as well keep it super classy super clean love what england did as well the dutch um all of those major european powers generally kept it traditional and simple um but they still look great so again, go to www.girlssoccernetwork and check that out. Another huge, huge story. After nine years of being together, we have more about this on our website, but Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger are finally engaged. They are going, they are officially tying the knot. Uh, incredible, incredible, incredible stuff. One of the best couples in the game, a true, true power athletic power couple especially in soccer of course they are teammates together on the orlando pride people magazine put out this whole piece we have our own piece again on the website written by gabby alejandro here's a small piece from it which was also taken from people magazine it's a love story nearly a decade in the making the pair met during u.s women's national team camp 
We always sat next to each other on the bus and on flights. We had so much in common, Ashlyn Harris says. It was her big, beautiful brown eyes. I just felt like every time she was talking, I wasn't even paying attention to what she was saying. Wow. That's love right there. Get get someone, find someone for you, how Ashlyn Harris looks at Allie Krieger. That is a special, special relationship, and we are incredibly happy for them that they are finally tying the knot. But, um, yeah, for soccer players of this stature to be combining and, and getting together, it, it's really awesome. Uh, when athlete, w- Especially when it's such high-profile athletes, it really is a feel feel good story that they found each other and after nine long years they're going to get engaged that is a serious relationship people all right that is a serious serious relationship yeah also right who's next do you think sue bird and megan rapino are next i would hope so i'm hoping that that is in the cards in the future soon that would be the next power couple to to kind of tie the knot and make it you know to get married but we'll see We'll see how it goes. Okay, that is it for episode 15 of Giving Go. It is presented in partnership with Listening Party, the creators of Family FM. Follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Again, we are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Again, we appreciate all of the support that we are getting from you guys. It is truly, truly special to see you know the download count growing seeing us grow slowly but surely we are so grateful for each and every one of you uh to be a fan of what we're doing both online here on the podcast in any single way we are continuing to expand and continuing to grow we will continue to put you guys in mind first so again thank you so much for following us and again I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, signing off for episode 15. Thanks, guys. Peace.